open your Bibles up, first of all, to Matthew chapter 7. I know for the five of you who do read your bulletins, it says Luke chapter 10, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Devastations in life, in life are like storms. All these, these, these storms in our life, they hurt. But, unfortunately, they are inevitable. The winds will come, the floods will come, and they will test you. They will make you see what you're made out of. Devastations can come in all types of forms. They can come literally in storms like hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, wildfires, floods. But devastations can also take the form of physical or mental sickness, a death of a loved one like a spouse, completely turning life as you know it upside down, sometimes ripping what you hold most dearly right out of your life. And as, as bad as these storms are, and these, these devastations in life, as bad as they may be, God doesn't withhold them from us. Why? How could an all-good, all-loving, all-powerful God let these storms hit us? Why not spare us from them? Now here I'm going to shamelessly plug uh, my Sunday school where we talk about these deep, conflicting issues and also the youth group. Uh, on Wednesday nights, where we we talk about these kinds of things. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, sometimes God lets these devastations hit because it reveals the flaws in our structure, whether it be if we're built on shifting sands or if we're built on the rock that is Christ. But sometimes it can reveal all building flaws, whether it's a literal building or the, our lives, our our. our our life. When, when Paul and I went down to Florida, we worked on a guy's roof. His name was Leon. We were tarping his roof. Um, the roof wasn't really even that old. It was maybe five, ten years old. But part, a section of his roof just got ripped off by Hurricane Irma. Now, the reason being was the, the nails in the shingles were driven too far down into the shingle. And the the nail head didn't have enough bite, didn't have enough grip to hold those shingles down in the storm. And that that's it's you know, pretty simple. Like the the air compressor, the pressure on the air for the nail gun was probably just a bit too high and it drove the nail in there too far. 
I mean, it wasn't Leon's fault. He hired someone to put his roof on for him. But that small little flaw left his house leaking. When that storm came, it just ripped it right up. It wasn't his fault. But more importantly, with Leon's situation, it God can sometimes bring people along in your life in that time of need. It just so happens that he reached out to an organization called the Samaritan's Purse. And people, me, Paul, Josh Johnson, and people from all over the country, Tennessee, um, Southern Ohio, um, other people from Florida, people from Canada, coming in to help him. And what Leon was, Leon was expecting to get his roof tarped. But he got so much more. The thing, the thing is, is Leon and his son Ryan, they got saved that day through the witness of nothing to do with me. I was just there working. I had a little chit chat with him. I asked him, you know, what kind of hobbies he you do. He said he liked alligator wrestling. I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> he was he was a hard man, but God softened his heart. How? Through the work of a good Samaritan. I went down there thinking, you know, I'm going to be a good Samaritan. I'm going to help out. But let's go ahead and and, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 10. The parable of the Samaritan. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to... It starts in verse 25, but I'm going to... I'm going to start... I'll start in verse 21. So Jesus sends out these 70 people. And they come back with a good report. They're like, whoa, you know, we were casting out demons in your name and doing all these wonderful things. And Jesus like, now calm, calm down, guys. I was there when I saw, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, you know, it's nothing to do with you. Um, but starting in verse 21, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples, so he was talking to a crowd. He turns to his disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Now we get into the parable of the Good Samaritan. Verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and had the nerve to test him. He says, Certain lawyers stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
Then Jesus answered him and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So, which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, I plead with you that you would show us your glory today that you would reveal to us through your scripture what you would have us to learn. Lord, speak through me. Help me to say what needs to be said and nothing more, but nothing less. Lord, work in us. Help us to see the meaning in the scripture and help it to be to sink down deep and hide in our hearts that on, when the storms come, we can we can re, we can recall this this passage of scripture. Lord, help us and guide my words. Praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this lawyer wants to put Jesus to the test. Have you guys ever heard of Ravi Zacharias? Yeah, no. Well, Ravi is an understatement. He's a very smart man. He studied at Cambridge. He travels, he, he's done this for decades, traveling from place to place, holding these open question and answer type sessions. And people will come up to the microphone in lines, and they'll present what they think is a difficult and controversial question. I recommend looking them up if you haven't already. But here... You kind of see Jesus, it's kind of like this, this open discussion and, and this lawyer stands up, puffs up his chest and, and tries to stump Jesus with a difficult question. Uh, the lawyer probably had an assumption that Jesus was this radical um, liberal who d- didn't really pay much attention to the law. Well, that's just simply not the, not the case. So he, so he asked them, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 25. And Jesus, Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it, Mr. Lawyer? You know the law. And the lawyer says, what the law says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, 
and with all your mind. Quoting Deuteronomy 6. And then he goes on, and your neighbor as yourself. Quoting Leviticus 19.18. So this guy knows knows his law. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. Now, he kind of says this tongue in cheek. He says, yeah, that's all you got to do. Go ahead and do that and you'll be all right. Go and do this and you'll live. Now, you, you know what Jesus is doing here. People have tried doing this for all of humanity. And no one has been able to do this. There's this little thing called sin. We miss the mark. This little thing called hell that gets in our way. We just can't do it. And so Jesus is like, you know, you seem to be pretty prideful of yourself, Mr. Lawyer, sir. Go ahead. Do it. The lawyer wanting to justify himself and sound smart says, I mean, lawyer's smart enough to know. You know, so so he comes back, he says, Well, you know, technically, you know, who's my neighbor anyways? He's trying to wiggle his way out of it, you see, because the first part seems easy, right? We can't see God. God's, God is invisible to us. It's easy to love an invisible God. Yeah, I love God. But the those those visible people, man, ugh, what a bother. It's actually convenient not being able to see God sometimes, isn't it? When we want to do things our way. And, oh, here comes that annoying coworker. Oh, Yeah, hey, invite him to church. Oh, no way. I go to church to get away from my coworkers. So he says, who is my neighbor? So Jesus tells him a story. He says, a certain man... Now, in in the Greek, it means um, a member a member of humanity, a certain man. So anyone from humanity it says went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's in between Jerusalem and Jericho, in between here and there, just like many of us. We're in between here, going to there. And he it says he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing. That's pretty devastating, right? One of those devastating times in your life. Stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Half dead. Kind of sounds like how I was before I met Jesus. Physically alive, but spiritually just dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Wait, wait what? A, a priest, someone probably from the, from the tribe of Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood, and then a Levite, probably the priest's assistant, two men who knew the, the law like no one else. Yet they were too busy for this man half dead on the side of the road. What a picture of what the law can do for us. It just leaves us dead, right? The law can't save us. Likewise, or I'm sorry, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, Samaritan, 
as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer, the Jews so hated the Samaritans, he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He says, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus again said, go and do likewise. Now, Jesus is not winging, winging the story. He didn't pull us out of nowhere. He knows what he's saying. So Jesus looks at the lawyer and basically tells him, be like this Samaritan. And here the lawyer is, he can't even say the word Samaritan. Twice Jesus challenges this lawyer to do the right and lawful thing. And twice the lawyer is brought to the realization that he can't live up to those kinds of standards. He misses the mark. Sin. But I know the main thing is the plain thing and the plain thing is the main thing. To be like the Samaritan. So i got to be careful. I don't want to read too much into this story. The main thing is, is that we should be like this good Samaritan. But what happens when we can't? What happens when we can't? When we miss the mark? When we can't live up to those kinds of expectations? So that that brings me to the main point. First of which, the certain man, meaning anyone of the human race. This person who's lying half dead in the street, Jesus is saying, Mr. Lawyer, sir, that's you. And ladies and gentlemen, that was me and you. Alive physically, but spiritually completely dead. And perhaps for some, that is still you today. And maybe you're, you're here and you think, well, I'm a good person, which leads us to the priest and the Levite. Look where good works in the law and following the law got, got them. The symbols and pinnacle of good and lawful people. Thank goodness, they're here to help. Wait, where are they going? You see, the truth that the law and good deeds are not enough because those will let you down. Rules and laws have no power or heart to rescue you when you are flat on your back. So, you will stay there dying with no hope. Unless someone who you had not even acknowledged, someone you couldn't even care less about, someone you thought was a joke, someone you even made fun of, like a Samaritan. John 8.48, if you look at that, you'll see, going the wrong way, John 8:48 The Jews I'll just read it. So Jesus is in another heated debate. And he's he says you and your you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning 
and does not, does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. Then Jesus, then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They just, the Jews just accused Jesus of being a demon-possessed Samaritan. So this kind of solidifies my theory of the Samaritan. So, so someone like that, to come by and overlook your flawed hatred of him and bandage your wounds. And the Samaritan put him on his, literally means beast of burden, puts him on his beast of burden and carried him to the inn. You see, Mr. Lawyer, sir, this man in front of you has come to cleanse you of your wounds and to take your place and fulfill the law and give you life. So Jesus is kind of looking at him um, and, and saying, you know, if only there was someone like the Samaritan around to save you. If only there was a man, fully God, fully human, who had no sin in him that could save you. But then the story goes for and gets kind of interesting. Jesus could have just said the Samaritan took him, took care of him, and it still would have had the same effect. It still would have had the same punch. The story is already impossible. But he, but he says in verse 34, Luke chapter 10, verse 34, So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. What is this in? You see, traveling was dangerous. And they, they would, in, in the ancient world, they would put these inns along the road for people to take temporary refuge in, to stay safe from thieves and robbers at night. And then he goes on to say that he will be back for his new stranger friend, and until then, stay here, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come back, I will repay you. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, what are you trying to tell me? Is that perhaps a little glimpse into the church you're just you're about to start? Are we supposed to be those little ends all over the dangerous planets where people are being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and devastated by storms of this life? I know that I know in this story that we are the man beaten, but since then, Jesus saved us and rescued us and gave us this new purpose in life. And I wonder, maybe, if we're supposed to be in the end, which is this temporary home before he comes back to dwell with us once and forevermore. Nowadays, hotels are more like getaways. Unfortunately, so are, so are our churches. But back then, they were in the midst of danger, right where people needed care. 
Not a big old five-star country club where only the elite can join, but a place where people can walk in bleeding from whatever, for whatever reason. What if we could be one of those places where people can just come in and we're going to take care of you and we're going to spend our money, our time, and our energy on humanity. And our God will, will repay us when he returns. But in the meantime, we're going to be that little in. And hopefully, people, people will ask us, what in the world are you guys doing? What's with all the charitable acts? What's with the, the blood on your hands, bandaging up people? And just maybe, God will provide us the opportunity to share with them the story of the Samaritan, Jesus. I'm not a good enough person just to do these things for goodness sake. You see, I was just like you. Halfway between here and there, life kept beating me down, and I tried being a good, I tried being good and doing the right thing, following the law, but that just left me beaten and bleeding. Until along came Jesus, who took my place and brought me here to this little inn. And I'm just waiting here for him to come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be a part of a clean, cozy church. Cozy is overrated. Comfortable is overrated. Convenience is overrated. I want to lean into the messiness that is humanity and life in this journey. Let's be that church. I realized down in Florida, Samaritan's Purse, that I'm not the good Samaritan. Jesus is. But I represent 